The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. podcast i'm your host ace boogie my co-host zim will also be joining me later in the show uh today we're going to switch the format up just a little bit just because we had a hard time getting our schedules to work together last week but we still wanted to come with you guys with uh some new fresh content so i will be kicking things off i'll be talking about the loss of alex van pelt who uh, obviously last week signed with Cleveland as their offensive coordinator. He was the quarterback's coach for the Bengals for the last two seasons. He is now gone. I'll talk about how we fill that void there. And then I'll also talk about the appearance of Joe Burrow on the Dan Patrick show. And Dan Patrick essentially asked him uh, several questions about the Bengals. Once I get through that, we'll take a brief interlude and intermission. And then my guy Zim will be back uh, for you guys, and he'll talk about free agency. He'll also talk about Joe Burrow as well. So stay tuned for that. Um, thank you for listening to the Orange is the New Black podcast. We're on any platform that you can find under the name Cincy Jungle. We're a part of the Cincy Jungle Syndicate, uh, where you can check out Matt Minish's, is talk Chalk Talk. You can also check out the Orange and Black Insider. So be sure to follow there. Be sure to leave us a review we would really appreciate it. So kicking things off, we lost Alex Van Pelt. And I know what you're saying. It's just Alex Van Pelt. But what you have to realize is that Alex Van Pelt was the ex-QB coach of none other than Aaron Rodgers. So this is a team that had a lot of guys who formerly played the quarterback position. We talk about head coach Zach Taylor, played at Nebraska, has ties to Joe Burrow. Um, as he has ties with his father and some of his brothers that also played in Nebraska. You also have your Bill Callahan or Brian Callahan, who also has ties to the quarterback position. And at one point you had Alex Van Pelt, and now he's going to Cleveland to be an offensive coordinator. Uh, So this sucks for several reasons. Number one, the fact that this guy was a legit quarterback coach and he would have been the perfect guy to start off Joe Burrow's career. I think that that's the biggest loss here is 
why not have a guy like Alex Van Pelt that can come in there? Uh, now you have a little bit of an un- unknown there because this Bengals essentially promoted uh, one of their own staff members to the quarterback coach position. So they're not going to have that pedigree of being a former coach of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, let's just not lie about it. Let's not sugarcoat it. That holds a lot of weight going around. So the fact that they don't have that is going to be a huge loss. And then they lose him this late in the game to a division rival, which is also um, something that's a little bit crazy because, you know, not only do you lose a guy who's going to be essential to uh, what you're going to do in the draft in terms of scouting and helping this guy, but you also uh, have taken him away. So from from a Cleveland perspective, this is good on multiple fronts. Number one, it takes away the effectiveness that Joe Burrow could have as removing a coach from him. And then you're also weakening a division rival by uh, taking a coach that's part that coaches an integral uh, part of the offense, right? So kind of kind of really made me upset. There wasn't too much news this offseason that really made me upset. But seeing that we lost uh, Scott Van Pelt to Cleveland was really a huge one. It's going to be a good get for the Cleveland guys, but just not a good situation for us, uh, honestly. So we'll see what his replacement has to offer. And luckily the Bengals have a lot of guys who – have grown and groomed uh, quarterbacks in their in their history. Uh, obviously, Zach Taylor was a quarterback coach himself for Jared Goff, so that's um, something to have solace in and knowing that they will still have some uh, quarterbacks in the room that can actually relate to them. It just sucks that they had to lose Scott Van Pelt. Aaron Rodgers actually caused a lot of drama uh, between him and Mike McCarthy because of that. That was one of the big reasons that they fell out was that they did not choose to bring back Alex Van Pelt. So best wishes to him. Uh, I think that he'll be a great officer coordinator. I mean, it's not that hard to be better than Zampezi, but I think he'll be a great addition for the Cleveland staff. So next... The biggest story of last week, I think Bengals related, came from an interview with uh, Joe Burrow and Dan Patrick. So first, what we're going to do is I'm going to go ahead and play a clip and a little excerpt from the interview and then give my thoughts on it. It kind of rocked a lot of Bengals waves and national waves last week. Uh, What have you heard from the Bengals? Nothing really. It's hard. You know, I haven't talked to any teams yet. You know, we're... You can't really talk to him until the combine too much. Yeah. Do you want to? Do you well, want to hear from the Bengals? Look, whenever you're in the conversation for the number one pick, it's obviously a dream come true. Um, but they, I know they have a process to go through. I have a process to go through. So that's, it's a long ways away. But is being number one or going to the right team the most important to you? combination of both yeah you know you want to go number one but you also want to go to a, a great organization that's committed to winning committed to winning Super Bowls yeah because it feels like that you know people can't believe that you'd want to go play for the Bengals like why would you and I said well do you want to pull an Eli and say that I don't want to play there and then they go well you're from Ohio I go well that doesn't mean that you're a Bengal <laughs> fan yeah this is a business decision yeah I mean so you know there's a lot of factors that go into it and my dream always has been to play in the NFL. And that's, I mean, the fact that I'm sitting on here being in the conversation of the number one pick is honestly crazy to me, watching the draft growing up, watching the guys walk out and hold their jersey. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that go into it, but it's a huge honor. 
Dolphins got a couple of number one picks here. I heard, I heard something about that. Yeah. Yeah. How do you look in uh, dolphin colors there? I don't know. I've never worn teal, teal. blue like that before. <laughs> well, how do, you, how do you look? You got uh, tiger stripes already yeah. with LSU and now the Bengals there. I think I can pull off just about any color. Oh, yeah. all right. I like that. You glad the Bengal questions are over? Yeah. You are? <laughs> I wondered if that's why you took a sip. So let me, let me break that up there so you're not talking about the Bengals. So, man, it was almost mind-blowing at first when you heard uh, Burrow kind of make the statement, especially with him referring to the Super Bowls and, uh, you know, wanting to go and play somewhere like that. Some people didn't really have an issue with that. The only reason that I had an issue with it was, and I kind of called this back in November, Jordan Palmer and Carson Palmer, I think, are both working to kind of self-sabotage uh, the Bengals in terms of the a first-round quarterback on there, right? I remember on this show, I talked about Carson Palmer's comments on him feeling like the Bengals never went for a Super Bowl, him feeling like whenever he would go to Mike Brown to get specific players drafted or signed, he would not listen to him and they wouldn't make moves to actually win in the playoffs or go for a Super Bowl. And it just so happens earlier in that week, I mean, it's Super Bowl week, right? So they're interviewing everyone. They have Carson Palmer on there. Carson Palmer um, was actually interviewed by Dan Patrick as well. And there's all these headlines coming out that he doesn't believe that the Bengals were trying to win the Super Bowl. He's continuing the narrative from his prior interview, but this time he's talking about it during Super Bowl week. And it was weird because he was saying that he believed that the Bengals should pick a quarterback, should draft Joe Burrow, and then, you know, follows it up with, well, you know, the Bengals, they're not really a Super Bowl caliber team. So what people took from the context of this Joe Burrow interview, which actually happened like a day after Carson Palmer uh, regurgitated that same saying that he didn't believe that the Bengals would win Super Bowls, is Joe Burrow, although he uh, smartly is able to decipher that Dan Patrick is trying to bait him into saying he doesn't want to play for the Bengals and the pull of Eli, which is what the national media really wants this wants to happen. They, for some reason, I don't understand why, but for some reason, they do not want to see Joe Burrow play for the Bengals. And he was kind of trying to set that up, right? But I think the thing that stood out to me was Burrow's response in saying that it has to be a team that's wanting to win championships and wants to go for a Super Bowl the day after Carson Palmer has came out and said this. And the reason why I kind of was worried about Palmer sabotaging uh, this potential pick is because I knew that Jordan Palmer worked out with the top recruits. He's done it the last uh, couple of years, specifically quarterbacks. That's what his specialty is. Um, so you're going to have two guys that are in his ear, Carson and uh, his brother, constantly talking about how Mike Brown is and getting him used to that. Now, that's not to say that Joe Burrow will not feel like things can change, but it puts the Bengals in a really interesting position. Um, not something that was unexpected for me. I expected this to happen. However, uh, the Bengals are going to have to do and prove that in some instances they will pay. And I think it's funny that free agency is actually before the draft, so this allows the Bengals to really show a little bit of their hand before they actually draft Joe Burrow. So um, another thing that's important is a lot of people uh, believe that Joe Burrow was a Bengals fan. This is not true. Uh, earlier in that interview, I didn't play the clip, but he actually admitted to being 
a uh, Saints slash Browns fan. Uh, so he grew up liking uh, Drew Brees and Reggie Bush, which I totally agree with him on that. Reggie Bush was super exciting to watch in college. Um, so he grew up as uh, an initial quote-unquote Saints fan, but then he ends up becoming a Bengals fan once he kind of gets into those teen years, which really kind of count, in my opinion, when it comes to your fanhood. So uh, this isn't a guy that grew up a Bengals fan. So that's not to say that. And and to me, I think it says more because if you grew up a Browns fan, he would probably realize that the Browns have been far worse off than the Bengals have been in recent history. So I think he would at least know that you know, the Bengals do have some talent because Dan Patrick was on, even uh, in his Carson interview, right? He tried to sell the Bengals as this team that just didn't have talent, that just wasn't good. And Carson Palmer even had to correct him and say, hey, no, we had Peter Ward, we had Chad Johnson, you know, we had talent. It was just the fact that we wouldn't make those moves where if we were one or two players away, Mike Brown wouldn't make those moves for them to win the Super Bowl. And so, a lot of people talk about the Joe Burrow situation, uh, but the the issue has never really been talent with the Bengals. You talk about a team that has A.J. Green coming back, right? Um, he's done fairly well in the Bengals uniform. Joe Mixon has done fairly well in the Bengals uniform. Uh, you talk about guys like the John Rosses, the Tyler Boys. These are all guys who have had success and are weapons that would be at Joe Burrow's disposal. So a lot of people are freaking out about the offensive line. I think that this will be a year that the Bengals will be tested in uh, how active they are. Are they going to be active in free agency? Are they going to go out and draft some of these guys because they have clear holes on the offensive line? Uh, but I, I hate this narrative that the national media is really running with uh, that they just don't want Joe Burrow on the Bengals. I don't get what it is. Uh, we didn't see it last year when Cleveland had the number one pick. I mean, why would anybody want to play in Cleveland? And that's no slight to Cleveland fans or anything like that. I'm just saying based off of the dysfunction that they've seen within the past 10 years in Cleveland, where you see uh, a revolving door at your general manager and head coaching position, a revolving door at the direction of the team, like it's utter chaos. Um, so for me, the Bengals have always been a team that has been competitive. They've always been to the playoffs for the most part. When you're talking about the 2010s, majority of the time they were in the playoffs, uh, they haven't ended uh, that period on the best note, but they've always been a team that's been competitive uh, and they have spent money in some areas, but, you know, when they really get close, like 2013 and 2015, 2005, those were years where if they really would have just went and invested in some key guys, they probably at least have a, a few playoff wins by now, right? Maybe even an AFC championship appearance at minimum in one of those years. But since they don't do that, that holds them back. And I think that that's definitely a legit concern that Bengals fans need to have. Now, I have to give kudos to Joe Burrow because he definitely handled the question appropriately, but him sliding in the Super Bowl contender line, I kind of thought was a chess move. It at least was a chess move to say, okay, Mike Brown, I'm willing to play for you guys, but I do want to see you guys make moves that signify uh, a Super Bowl contention. 
and I have no problem with that. So I appreciate you guys for listening to the first half of the Orange is the New Black podcast. I am your host, Ace Boogie. My co-host, Zim, will be joining you shortly with his part two after this brief break. Who day? Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hi, it's me, Zim Hude. You may know me from the leader of the Harry Nuts gang, and I gotta tell you guys, since I've been walking around with these Harry Nuts, they've been swinging very, very hard this offseason. So now, let me stop playing with you guys. Um, I'm flying solo right now because me and Ace have a life outside of the Bengals, believe it or not. But on this part of the show, I want to get into the part where we're talking about the actual game that happened um, yesterday. So the Chiefs win by 11 points over the 49ers. Uh, just skipping through the game and skipping through the... I had to do one of those too. I'm sorry. All right. I'm, I'm going to stop joking now. All right. I'm going to be serious with you guys because I know the real sports fans, they're like, why is he joking around on this thing? I'm sorry. I just got to have some fun. It's the off season, But we're going to get into free agency stuff a little bit. We're going to talk Joe Burrow, of course. But let's talk about the football game. So the Chiefs went by 11 points. Um, what happens in, in a team that's dominant, defensive heavy, like the 49ers, I think with an outstanding coach. I really love Kyle Shanahan's coaching efforts. I think one of the things, though, that I want to highlight is just some of the – there were a couple issues last night. One of them was the clock management, I think, going in before halftime. I, I, there was a possession where he didn't call a timeout where I think he should have. Um, as a result, it ended up with um, the Chiefs coming out of it with points on the other end of it. Uh, another portion of the game I wanted to talk about was a very, very key part where in the second half, we're going into the fourth quarter, and Kyle Shanahan is sitting on a lead. But instead of running it, he runs – or first down, Mossert runs for five yards. 
on the second down, they put it in Jimmy G's hands. And this is the power of a quarterback. At some point, a quarterback has to step up, has to make something happen. He doesn't. And two straight plays, they go incomplete, incomplete. Clock stops. Chiefs get the ball. Immediately, I told everybody at the party I was at, that's the that's the game right there because you cannot give a guy like Pat Mahomes the ball like with that much time and opportunity. So one of the things that I think coming into the game is people are always attacking. Uh, I'm I'm not even gonna say attacking, but people always have the narrative that hey, look, Zim, you need to trade a Joe Burrow pick, go get build up this roster, go get all the defense, go get all that. And I think defensive wins championship guy is not wrong to want a strong defense because at the end of the day, the Titans and the 49ers and the Chiefs all had solid defensive efforts. The, the 49ers having 140 yards of rushing offense, to me, is like holding them to like 70 because they, they're, they're averaging like damn near 200 yards, especially in the playoffs, just running through teams. So – Defense win championship guy, you're not wrong. But when it matters the most, the failures of this team, the Cincinnati Bengals, always usually in my head go back to the quarterback. Because people could find anything that they want to find out from last game. If you're a defensive enthusiast, you'll say, well, the 49ers just didn't play good defense when it, when it mattered most at the end of the game. But I would beg the difference. I would say that their offense just let them down and the play calling let them down in those crucial moments that I'm talking about in the fourth quarter. And in those moments, you need a quarterback that can stretch the play out, make the great, make the best play possible. Even if, even if the play isn't there, keep the clock moving, just the intelligence of it and just the gamer at all costs. In the, in the middle of the game, like I, I don't know what it is, a sixth sense or whatever, but, I, I mean, I'm not saying I'm Zimstradamus. But throughout that game, there were these periods where I'm looking at Jimmy G. I'm, I'm, I'm a big proponent on personality and how it uh, functions in the, in, you know, uh, in, in, in the course of a team. And, and how does it how – did, how, did, how did the other players take on that quarterback's personality? And one thing that I saw from Jimmy G throughout the game is – yeah, he's cool, calm, and collect, Jared Goff-like, right? But put yourself in the player's shoes. Is that the guy that you believe in? And I think maybe 90% of those team, of his teammates probably do believe that he can win the game. The other 10% know what I know. They're looking at him. I see his body language, and I, and I don't even like. I, I mean, even when he, when he got out in, in that series that I was talking about, I, I, the guy that was sitting next to me, I said, man, He's he's happier getting off the field right now than actually having to continue that drive. And people think that's that's the craziest thing ever, but if you've ever been on a stage or you ever had to compete somewhere or if you ever been in the limelight or something and midway through a performance or midway through you doing something, sometimes you get this feeling. I had this early on in my high school years and stuff like that where you just wanted to be over. And it took a while for me to build up these hairy nuts, you know what I mean? But that's something that I think Jimmy G throughout the test of time. I think he could. They could win a Super Bowl. Uh, Joe, Joey Bosa is 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 the the flag runner for you know defensive wins championship. That guy's gonna be a nightmare for teams for for years. You know what I mean? 
and seeing him in tears after the game, like it, it like I was like, damn, like you know, he really wanted it. I, I really, I'm a Richard Sherman fan because I like guys that talk that trash and beat it and back it up. One thing I will say is they really did pick on Richard Sherman on that last drive, didn't they? But at the end of the day, Pat Mahomes, Pat Mahomes shouldn't have won MVP. But when it mattered the most, when he had to extend third down drives, when things had to go off script. Pat Mahomes is what won that game ultimately. I think the MVP could have been Damian Williams. One catching touchdown, one rushing touchdown, runs for 104 yards. I mean, shoot, you could have gave it to Tyreek Hill if he had got a touchdown, I guess, in the game. But that's that's neither here nor there. Pat Mahomes made the plays when that mattered the most. The interception he threw to, uh, um, uh, what was that? Uh, what's it? Why do I always want to call him Kurt Warner? Anyway, he throws the pick. Bad pick. How he regroups, comes back, and takes on the challenge of that and goes to the sideline and, and, and talks to those guys. How Tyron Matthew talks to those guys on the sideline. The heart, the soul. People feel that. And and, and that's a, a big part of sports that I think is lost. When someone says, Joe Burrow, just trade away. Get the picks. Build up the roster. You better be building it up with a bunch of Tyron Matthews. You better get you a bunch of honey badgers if that's the route you want to go. But at the end of the day, when it matters the most, the guy is going to have the ball in his hands, and his name is quarterback. And that quarterback is the only way that he can get taken to the promised land. And when you get your shot, when you see that guy, when you when you think you've identified that guy, you better put all the balls down. You better put all the cars down, and you better go get them. And that's why I can't get with the guys that are saying, um, yeah, trade out the four picks. So y'all mean to tell me y'all want to trade four first-round picks that don't happen right away. So now you're talking about a window of opportunity that's not even there anymore. Carlos Dunlap is long gone. Geno Atkins is at the end. You know, like all these guys, it's over four years, and you're still bank. You want to bank on future picks? Who wants to win now with me? Who? By a show of hands. Who wants to win now with me? So a lot of these things that I've been saying about uh, Joe Burrow, um, one of the things that I make people realize is that, or the the phrase that I coin is, the offense is your defense. So when it mattered the most, the way to win to me is just score points. And, And a lot of people, that's too simplified, and I get it. I understand it. But if you have a winner at the helm, and when it all falls down and, and you know, like, you just got to have a winner mentality and a winner, like, taking the ball. Because Kyle Shanahan ran into this one problem. He could call up a great plan and everything like that, but when somebody's on the opposing end and they're scoring quick points and you're still running the ball, the guy that's sitting at home and says, why don't you run the ball? I actually think he should have ran the ball, but when the other team is throwing the ball and they're making quick, big plays, like bang, 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 it just changes everything. And so moving forward, I, I just need to make sure that we're all on board with this winning thing and taking a chance. And if we're wrong with Joe Burrow, then so it, so be it. Like 50 Cent said, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a get rich or die trying, and I need some Burrow money. So the next topic I want to get into is Joe Burrow uh, comments recently where Carson Palmer makes some comments that say that, you know, pretty much the Bengals have uh, hindered or they were never on board with Super Bowl winning. If you take that question out of context when you apply it to Joe Burrow's interview that he had recently or whatever, then it kind of lines up with it. But 
Ace has talked about it earlier in his segment. Um, but pretty much he's – it's just a it, – it's a winner mentality. And you want a guy that's going to say that he's going to demand winning. Andy Dalton has talent, but he's never going to be able to walk into anybody's room and demand winning or demand players or anything like that. Aaron Rodgers can, right? And the reason why Aaron Rodgers can is because he puts institutional pressure on the powers that be. What I mean by that is that if Aaron Rodgers were to hit the free market and, and Green Bay let him go, the fans would riot. They would kill the they would kill everybody associated with the, with the Green Bay Stadium. Like everybody there with a cheesehead would turn them all in if they dare let Aaron Rodgers go in pretty much the near prime area of his career. And with that saying, Aaron Rodgers can demand whatever he wants. So when Joe Burrow's having an interview and he's saying, hey, I need that team that's committed to Super Bowl, and this guy goes out there and balls out, say, year one. After that year, the Bengals are officially on the clock right now because, as we talked about in the last show, they have $55 million after Dalton's gone, after Cordy Glenn's gone. Even if they sign A.J. Green for $20 million, they still have 55 So they're on the clock now. Year one, you got to see what Joe Burrow's got, so I'm going to give him a pass. They don't have to go all in. But say Joe Burrow goes crazy, rookie of the year goes off. Mind you, Kyler Murray, rookie of the year, his um, year one, right? Now the Arizona Cardinals are, are now on the clock to go get him weapons. They're, they're, they they got to go draft wide receivers. Like the pressure that he's putting on them for the – and, and I don't even think Kyler Murray is Joe Burrow. But all these guys, see, this is the part that y'all don't understand. All the people that say, hey, we should go cash out all these picks and go get these guys or whatever, we can go get those guys in free agency, uh, a lot of, like, premier players for a, a, a discounted price that want to play for Joe Burrow, a lot of guys that want to block for him. But he's got to prove himself year one, just like Baker Mayfield did. The difference is Joe Burrow, I think his floor, like James Rapine said, is higher. I think even if you said Joe Burrow was going to fail at the NFL level, he would fail on a level of Jimmy G-type status, like where he doesn't become like the marquee player of the team, but he's still he he's still a legit quarterback. But say year one he comes out there and balls out. The guy that wants us to, to, to draft Chase Young, the guy that wants you to go get all these free agents and stuff, you'll get him because after that – the, the four-year window of a quarterback being on – before the CBA negotiates this new thing, they're going to be able to get them at a discounted price. Chiefs got Pat Mahomes at a discounted price. It allows them to go sign the Honey Badger. It allows them to go sign uh, Brashad Breeland and all these players that you saw, uh, all, the, all, the, all the guys that, that make an impact um, that they went um, and got. They're able to go do that because the four-year window of a quarterback mixed with the institutional pressure that Pat Mahomes puts on Kansas City to go be great and go get those guys. Y'all think this is the one thing that I tell Bengals fans. Y'all think Mike Brown is so different than other owners around the NFL? The Saints were trash before Drew Brees. The difference is when you get a Drew Brees, now the pressure's on to go put people around him. Mike Brown, Katie Blackburn, none of them are that stupid. None of them are that misguided to believe that Joe Burrow's going to go out there and they aren't going to go get some people. And even if they were, veterans around the world, I mean, around, around the league are going to line up to going to go play for him. And that's the, 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 the cultural difference of a quarterback versus what you guys are saying. 
you know, um, the kid that just got drafted to the Jets, the the defense alignment, Quentin Williams, um, he is a very, very good athlete, and I really believe in him. He was picked the number three uh, defensive, I mean, number three player in the draft 2019, right? And as much as I believe in, like, every draft has their Quentin Williams or their Chase Youngs or Joey Bosa's and stuff. As much as I believe in him, he doesn't change the culture. And the way that you can do that is with, we, we spent countless episodes doing that. But I'm just trying to show you guys or illustrate you or give you a direct impact on Jets were, ter- were terrible when we played them. Didn't even notice that he was on the field. Didn't have any impact plays whatsoever in that game. And because he doesn't get the opportunities to go do his thing or show up big time without big time quarterback play, he can get lost in the sauce just like a lot of these defensive guys that you guys want. Um, I want defensive a heavy in the draft because when I look at the Bengals roster, they don't have that much money allocated to defense. So even in free agency, heavy defense. So, like, don't get it mistaken. When I say offense is your defense, I still want big time. I, I, of course I want big time players, and I think we have a lot of them. But you got to get into this mindset where you're just buying into it because the players like the Russell Wilsons of the world don't have the greatest roster in the world. So you got to get out of this whole thinking that, oh, yeah, we'll just get this and wait on this, whatever. No, our time is now. The Burrow babies are here. So going into the roster on the defensive side of the ball, me and Ace are going to do some shows where we're going to get into free agency a little bit more. But one of the guys, these are the guys that I'm I'm looking at right now that I want to retain. Brandon Wilson, I want to retain. Seaton Carter, I want to retain. Josh Tupo is the most underrated defensive guy on our team. I think he's got to stick around. Also, um, Andrew Billings is if we can get him at around like four million or so, I think that's a guy that we need to look at um, for sure. But but Josh Tupo, if you uh, if you really pay attention to the to the the analytics and uh, PFF and all these other sources, mainly PFF, and, and just to play on the field, Josh Tupo against the run is what we need. Um, now, thir- a three-tech defense alignment is something that I think they need to explore in the draft. They won't be able to go after it very early, but that's okay. But we need to get more of those guys in the rotation. Um, now, the guys that I'm looking on the outside looking in is probably like a Trayvon Henderson, Clayton Fedulin, unless you could do a Fedgy deal for like two mil. Um, Nick Vigil is going to be the big name that a lot that's going to set the tone for free agency. Our, also, Darquez Denard. If they can get him around eight or nine million, that's going to set the tone. Billy Price, people ask me about him a lot. He's he right now. If you were to trade him, I think it's not a good. If you if you're going to trade him, you're not going to get more than like a fifth or sixth because you would be selling them to a team that's going to try to use him as a center, right? But he wasn't good enough to beat out Trey Hopkins. But his first round pedigree is what I think might get him trade value. But believe it or not, for me, I like him as a backup. Um he's got he's got um history, you know, with the team and he's got a lot of reps. So I do like that. And when I say a lot of reps this past year, he's he's got a lot, but he's been injured a lot. Maybe a lot of this um is injury uh uh driven why he hasn't been successful and how and why he is a bust. Um yeah, I said it he's a bust. So everybody talking about John Ross and no Billy Price is a bust. That that's what a bust looks like. Okay. 
So then we go into Tyler Eifert. If we could get him around like six mil, I could keep him on board. But honestly, I think he's kind of outplayed his role with this team. If they're going to advance, and I'm, I'm mentioning guys like Seaton Carter, uh, Drew Sample, you just signed uh, C.J. Uzama. This draft has got some nice tight ends uh, ready, ready to go as well. I just seeing how they used Eifert this past year. I could see him having a role in there, but I don't think he'll flourish like what he would have flourished if he were to play for, like, the 49ers, like, on the other side with uh, Kittle or something like that. I just think they'll figure out ways to scheme him open better. I love Eifert. He's one of my favorite players, and I want him to retain him. But when we start breaking this stuff down and looking at the draft and where the money's already at, I just don't see how they can afford Eifert at six, knowing the Bengals with their budget. That's just me. Drake Kirk. That's one I'm always on the fence about because, believe it or not, I feel like he's done really, really well this past year. They shelved him really early. And I think a lot of fans are basing this off of this. He is always going to be judged a little bit more with more scrutiny because early in his career he was getting beat with double moves. And once he gets paid, people are looking for a lockdown corner. He did what most free agents do from the cornerback position. It happens every single year. Like, uh, I mean, there's always somebody. Like, you know, I, I remember it was, uh, uh, what is his name? Anunwa or, uh, God damn it, what's the guy that went to the Raiders in the corner? Somebody hit me up and tell me. But uh, every year, it's always a couple corners that just get overpaid. And that's what you do with your second contract. But fans, I think, got to get over that part and start looking at the body of work. And I, And I think he's really, really really, really above average and can be better Better in the stats and everything that backs him up this past year. And I, I'm still a Drake. Like, Ace gets on me every time. He says, man, yeah, that's your boy. I guess it is my boy. And I, I believe in him. And I know he's had some plays where he hasn't looked really, really good earlier in his career. A lot of teams were really, really picking on him. If you remember in the 2019 season, but it didn't really last that long if you go back and look. And then this past year, he didn't really give up that many big plays. But his highlight film of negative plays, especially when you start talking about Le'Veon Bell stiff-arming him and stuff like that, it just doesn't look good. But if they don't go that route with Drake Kirk and they have to let him go, that's 8.5 against the cap that they would get back. So that $55 million number I gave up now goes up to 60-something, right? So now we're playing. Some of the guys I want you guys to take a look at. Y'all hit me up. Tell me what you think. I'm looking at guys like Byron Jones, who's 27. Uh, Roby, the guy from the Texans, that's 27. Um, uh, what's the guy for the Vikings? Uh, Waynes is 28. Uh, Bradbury for the Panthers, who's 27. I really like Bradbury. And I remember the Bengals were interested in him at, uh, at one point. Another guy... Uh, that I'm looking at on defense, I really, 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 really want because he plays aggressive like how um, how Honey Badger does, and that's Ha Ha Clinton Dix. That is my number one free agent signing. I think for the Bengals to flourish, all the guys that want a linebacker, y'all got to get off this whole linebacker train and just buy into the fact that we're going to have uh, – it's, it's funny, Taylor Mays was supposed to be this hybrid version of what I'm explaining. But taking some of the pressure off of Sean Williams, who just had his worst season, really letting him roam like a dog. He's big enough to tackle, come up, make big hits. You're going to be in nickel base. You got to go with these hybrid guys like that. And I really, really love the way that Ha Ha Clint Dix can fill that role. 
Um, he's now considered a journeyman, I guess, for the last two seasons he's bounced around. But that, I, I just, I just think he—that's the type of guy that's going to make plays. I really, really want that. My other, my number two guy that I really, really want is Brandon Sheriff. That's the guard for the uh, for the Redskins. I think he would make a big difference. Uh, Anthony Kazanza. There's, there's a lot of guys that they can afford. Joe Tooney. Probably looking at about eleven million. That's that's the Cordy Glenn money right there. That's the Super Bowl champion. He's from Dayton, Ohio. So that's another guy I really, really want. Um, my last couple things I want to look at too. Oh, let me give you another one. Kendall Fuller. I wrote down some. You, I'm gonna tell you a guy. If they really want to break, if they got the money to break the bank just a little bit, one big signing. Give, just give me one. Just give me one. Right. Just give me. Just give me one big name. You want to see one go across the screen, right? How you like this? Give me Hargrave. From the Steelers or to it, those are two guys that I just don't see them being able to pay with uh, Cam Hayward or whatever. And they got a lot of guys on that defense that that got to get paid, and it's some guys that's about to hit the market. Hargrave or to it, I really want. I think Hargrave. <clears throat> we were talking about a three tech earlier in this. Well, I was talking about a three tech earlier. That's a guy, but you got to spend some money. And I think year one, you might not see that from the Bengals. You might see a bunch of second-tier guys like um, – I, I think Joe Schober is a, is, is a beast. But he would be like the end of that first wave type of guy. Somebody like a, a, a Danny Trevathan. That's somebody that's going to be towards the end. They're going to fill in with a lot of those guys. But let's say Burrow balls out. The pressure is going to be on like you've never seen. And that's what I'm waiting for. Who they? <laughs>